you have a true tactile sense of what you're doing. You know, feel your way into where you're going. You know, be uh, methodical, uh, but be careful and, and, and feel your way as you go. Good morning, good evening, or good afternoon. Welcome to Endocast. I'm your host, Tony Ray. This is episode one with our physician guest, James Buxbaum, from University of Southern California, talking to us about advanced cannulation techniques. Endocast is a GI-focused podcast for clinicians by clinicians, presented to you by Boston Scientific. Together, we'll take a closer look at the data, techniques, and insights of endoscopy that matter most to listeners like you. Welcome, Dr. Buxbaum. How are you? Thank you. It's great to be here. Yeah, it's really good to have you. So we are recording now our second podcast from EUS Live, and Dr. Buxbaum made the long trek late last night from Los Angeles into Orlando, just ahead of a hurricane, as a matter of fact. <laughs> Indeed. And Dr. Buxbaum, uh, for the audience out there, is a uh, professor at uh, both Keck USC in Los Angeles and LA County Hospital. And he's here today to teach us a little bit more about advanced cannulation and also prevention of post-ERCP pancreatitis. It's an honor to be here. Before we jump into that, uh, I think it would be great if the audience get to know you just a little bit. And having worked with you for a number of years out in Los Angeles, uh, I'm well aware that your father was a GI. Is that accurate? He, he, he is indeed. He was a, an inspiration to go into the field you know, 50 years in, in gastroenterology practice with, with ERCP and, and, and all the complexity. Where did you train, Dr. Buxbaum? So I was up at uh, University of California in San Francisco for um, actually med school residency and fellowship, a GI fellowship. And then I had the great honor to do endoscopic ultrasound with Dr. Vera Derjulu and Dr. Elabidi when they were still at University of Alabama. Which all comes kind of full circle now that you're a part of the guest faculty here at EUS Live as well and getting to spend some time with your old colleagues here. So I'm sure they're excited to see you. Absolutely. They're both full of energy. <laughs> Good. So uh, let's get to it. So today, again, we're here to learn a little bit more about advanced cannulation techniques and preventing pancreatitis in ERCP. And from my understanding, and I, I read this study myself a couple different times, uh, you actually studied physician-controlled wire-guided cannulation versus nurse-controlled wire-guided cannulation. Can you share with us a little bit more about that study? That's correct. So the concept was to really compare the two dominant methods of accessing the bile duct. Historically, it was done by an assistant running the wire with the physician controlling the tome, and more recently, there's been the introduction of physician-controlled wire. And really what my aim was, was to see whether one approach was more efficacious than the other. I was looking to see if there was a dominant strategy, if the endoscopist could feel their way in, or maybe it was better if an experienced assistant did it. And I also designed the study to also compare size of, of sphincter tome and, and wire size, so 3.9 French versus 4.3 French, to see if there are small tomes facilitated entry of the bile duct, which is a big challenge of ERCP in most cases. Now, were you really surprised by some of the results of the, of the trial? I, I was indeed. You know, originally the study was supposed to go to nearly 500 patients, but there was a built-in safety analysis, which had been planned uh, prior to initiation. And this was mandated by our institution, given that there's never been a randomized trial comparing these two approaches. And it was to look for any differences in safety. And what was discovered is there was actually absolutely no difference in success of the two approaches. It would have taken thousands of patients to show a difference in, in efficacy. However, the study was actually prematurely halted because there was a difference in safety with more adverse events uh, being detected uh, when there was assistant-controlled wire-guided cannulation. 
And what were those adverse events? It was primarily driven by pancreatitis. Uh, overall, there was 11.2% complications in the assistant-controlled group compared to 2.8% in the endoscopist-controlled group. And this was primarily uh, post-ERSP pancreatitis. Uh, there was also two episodes of cholangitis, which occurred both in the uh, assistant control group as well. And there was actually two fatal uh, adverse events, both the assistant control group. So it was uh, fairly uh, uh, surprising and, and, and concerning findings in some ways. From a technique perspective, why do you think that the results panned out the way that they did? Is there something different about the way that a, a nurse or a tech manages that wire versus you? And wh what are those differences? Well, Tony, we did a number of sub-analyses to really try to cone down on what the difference was. We, doing the study, have been very careful to, to measure the amount of time during the procedure, to measure the number of pancreatic duct injections, to look at all these different factors. And the difference in PD injection was not different between the two groups. The difference in time was similar between the two groups. So really what it came down to was tactile feedback. When you're running the wire yourself, you can react. You won't push it as hard. You'll, you'll back off if you feel something. You can actually feel through the wire, almost an extension of one of your senses uh, that you don't have uh, when it's another person controlling the wire. And you might see that they're doing something, but in the time it takes to tell them to stop or readdress, there can be uh, an adverse event happen. Similar to driving a car, you may see something. If you're not the driver with your foot on the brake, by the time you tell them to hit the brake, it may be too late to avert the collision. Yeah, that's a great analogy. I, I appreciate you sharing that. What about for the physician or the GI lab that has very experienced GI nurses and or techs and they feel extremely competent? You know, how would you respond to that? I would congratulate them on having that, that resource. It, it does help if you have a very experienced team, obviously, to do very high-quality endoscopy. However, in the, in the modern world, uh, there's a lot of changes that happen in healthcare. There's, there's issues that occur with unions or with, with buyouts of different health systems. And, and more and more, the, the endoscopist may not necessarily have the control of the staff or, and, 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 or the many factors that can happen with retirements or, or, or different and changes in roles. The other thing that was interesting is part of our uh, post-talk analysis, which was asked for by the American Journal of Gastroenterology, they want us to actually control for the experience level of the nurses. And so we actually looked at this factor and include it as a covariate in our regression model, so statistically kind of get at this question, we actually found that the experience level of the assistant, and in our case, assistant RNs, didn't impact the results in a, in a material way. They were essentially the same. Yeah, it's super interesting. So if I'm a physician right now that's having a high level of success working with my nurse or tech controlling the guide wire, why do you think I should consider taking the wire myself. You just can't control what's going to happen. You know, that, that person may move or, re or retire or have a job change in the family, get interested in something else, and then you have to completely retrain someone new and it can become a very dynamic cycle. This really gives you the power that, to really take the wire in your own hand to control that aspect. And it's critical, as we know from numerous studies, difficult cannulation, prolonged cannulation, unsuccessful cannulation, are amongst the strongest factors of posterior CP pancreatitis, which is probably the most feared adverse event in the entire world of endoscopy. And if you can take this piece out of the equation, it can make your practice safer, improve the care of your patients, and also lower your own stress level quite a bit if you can avoid these episodes. And I think, you know, you and I have talked about this in the past. Should the patient have a complication, it's not necessarily the nurse or tech that's getting that phone call in the middle of the night. 
it's it's never it's really it truly is endoscopist responsibility and it should be but in that sense it's also good for us to actually be able to control the wire and have that tactile feedback so from your perspective and i think you crossed over from being trained by a nurse or tech controlling your guide wire you crossed over at some point to taking your own guide wire what is that current learning curve like in your opinion Initially, it was it was surprising. I was only exposed to long wire and fellowship. We had extremely senior people who were, who were controlling and running the wire, and it was, it was a very a nice thing in a way to have that. And when I had to take the own wire, at first it was a little bit discombobulating. You're looking at multiple things. You're looking at the wire and the fluoro and the feel. But slowly it comes together. I'd say within 20 cases I had some facility with it, and after 50 I strongly preferred it. So even when I had the option to have a, a more senior a technician or nurse to run my wire, I, I just take it myself, and it's been that way ever since. Switching gears really quickly, want to learn a little bit more about the tools that you use in practice on an everyday basis. What size sphincter tome, what type of sphincter tome do you prefer, and, and guide wires? Well, I know there's been a, quite the evolution in these tools over the years, so we'd love to learn a little bit more about what you're using. Indeed, and even in my own uh, approaches, there's there's been changes as new and 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 uh, efficacious devices are, are developed and, and perfected. I typically do start with a smaller tome, a 3.9 French and 025 wire. It conceptually makes sense because you're dealing with a smaller, a tiny orifice, and then once you have access, you can then augment this either using sphincterotomy or or, or papillary dilation or a combination of these factors. If I'm having difficulty. Uh, with this this initial approach, um, I'll often place a pancreatic stent. This helps to to pull the septum downward between the biliary orifice and the pancreatic orifice, and can help orient the uh, bile duct opening in a more favorable manner. Some physicians will advocate doing this with a with a wire or the dual guide wire approach. I think these are probably pretty similar approaches. There is some data that this may be associated with post-GSB pancreatitis, but it's likely equally effective to using the pancreatic stem. After this, we'll then attempt again with the tome and work our way in. This typically is successful. If this doesn't work at this point, classically, I would reach for high-performance wire. And high-performance wire is one that has a longer hydrophilic tip, which is, is, is slicker. Ideally, and what's been a nice development really in the last few years has been the development of wires that have an 035 core but have an 025 diameter, which is achieved by the way that the wires are cut and shaved. And this allows you to have more pushability but still a very small um, gauge wire which can be safely introduced uh, into the biliary orifice. This, well, this I classically did after placing the PD stent. More and more, as we're having more comfort with these wires, we're actually starting to utilize them earlier and earlier in the cannulation approach. And in many cases, I'm even using them as the initial wire. Like, given that you have a very rapid cannulation, increases your safety and, and comfort. It's kind of like driving a very nice car every day instead of just driving one on the weekends. So you get kind of used to it or you, or you start to like that. Not that they drive a very nice car or anything. But. And if that fails and you go to pre-cut sphincterotomy, uh, and if that fails, you'll typically then go to an EUS guided approach um, with EUS guided biller access. No, I appreciate you walking us through that algorithm. It's very detailed. Another good analogy as well. So another question. I've been in a number of cases with you actually using some of these newer platform wires. A couple of the cases I saw, you used a technique that you term as the knuckle technique. Can you kind of walk us through what that, what that means? 
Uh, correct. So with the, with the knuckle technique, there's a number of wires that have a very nice, long, hydrophilic tip. And when you knuckle the, the tip, you actually create a, a more smooth surface area. So it achieves two things. You have now a, a smoother, gentler, broader surface area, so it's less of a cutting uh, uh, tip to the wire. It's less likely to get caught in a side branch if you're doing pancreatic work. It's less, less, less likely to fistulize if you're working in the papillary mound to get deep biliary cannulation. Um, for example, the Jag Rev is one of these. It has a, a nice long hydrophilic tip. It'll knuckle well and has good pushability. And so you create the knuckle. And it's really a safety knuckle. And, and, and not only that, the knuckle on these wires can actually uh, roll back and forth. Uh, so essentially, it, it works to kind of, uh, it's like a, almost like a gas or something, kind of trying to find the orifice. And then when it finds your weakness in the actual papillary orifice, it'll, it'll curl into it. And, and so it actually is a way to access as a, as a maneuver, but also as a, as a safety uh, feature. No, it's really well put, and that's for initial cannulation. How about for stricture management? Management, correct. So, so in strictures, the, the, the key is you need more pushability. So a, a bigger core is useful, but on the other hand, you need the wire to be small so that you can really kind of sneak through a small orifice. At the same time, you want it to be uh, slick enough that if if the area is jagged, like with a cholangiocarcinoma or chronic pancreatitis stones, that it can bypass this area. And so that's where these high-performance wires are, are, are very helpful. And again, the knuckling in this area allows you to push a little bit harder, but do it in a way that's still uh, safe. And do you change your technique working in the distal bile duct versus the hyalur region, and how so? It, so with, with the uh, hyalur region, there's a few considerations. If you want to do a bilateral stent placement, then often I'll use an a angle wire, one that has a lot of torquing capabilities, so that I can really steer the wire into where I want it to go. Again, it's useful to knuckle, but then you want to make your, your uh, turns to allow it to optimally access the part of the biliary tree that you need to drain. If it's, say, a distal stricture, say a pancreatic cancer, then a, a straighter wire is helpful. I use a technique I call dynamic drilling for those where I gently torque the wire back and forth, which then allows it to act like a very soft drill to find that tiny hole and that tiny orifice into the, into the natural duct through the area of obstruction. The dynamic drilling technique is really interesting. And so when you torque that wire, is that something that you're doing at the biopsy cap or is that something you're coaching your nurse or tech on? That's primarily be uh, you doing it with the wire. You have to have the, there's it's only a few wires that can do this. Um, you know, Jack Rev is one where you can, that has a good uh, one-to-one response and you can go back and forth to gently turn the wire and, and then find very small changes in positioning uh, to get through a, a more narrowed area. That's great, thanks for sharing. How about in the pancreatic duct? I know I've seen you do a lot, quite a bit of work in the pancreatic duct as well. How do you alter your technique with guide wires in the PD? Pancreatic duct work is, is delicate. You know, a, a perforation of a side branch is a, is a disaster. And so you don't want to be too forceful. However, with chronic pancreatitis, which is typically why you're doing this, there's a great deal of scarring, there's stones, there's narrowing, there's obstruction. So you do need to use a, a certain amount of, of well-directed force. But it has to be done in, in, a, in a way that's seamless so with, with pancreatic duct, I tend to use knuckles to, to bypass areas which are narrowed. Um, we'll do gentle torquing. If we're in a side branch, I'll pull back, redirect, pass the knuckle across the region uh, deeper into the pancreas. This is where it is helpful to, again, have a larger core wire that has a pushability, but also one that has a hydrophilic tip and has a good knuckling capacity. The other advantage for pancreas is often we do want to place stents, and those can be more difficult across the, the, the large stones which happen in the pancreas. 
Often we may want to perform pancreatoscopy as well, and that's why it's good to have the good rail or, or the, the, the nice sturdy uh, track of, a, of an 035 core, but again combined with a more uh, a narrow gauge wire up front. How about, ang- and I think we touched on this earlier, you mentioned angled wires, and I think the audience, you know, I'm sure some of them have a degree of experience with angled wires, but those seem to be more popular in the last couple of years. Other than the Hyler area, how might you use an angled wire in ERCP? Angle wires have a, have a few additional advantages. You know, in addition to be able to target certain ducts or areas you want, they they tend to knuckle more easily. And so, especially with, if you start to use a cannulation technique that involves making a knuckle, it helps. As you as you advance, you can actually twist wires too to to tighten the knuckle to get through different areas. And so, it actually adds a different uh, and sort of an additional range of motion to, to our classic armamentarium. Doctor Buxbaum, this has been an unbelievable podcast series. Really appreciate all your sharing. Thank you. If there were to be just one silver bullet, what is the one key takeaway our audience know about advanced cannulation and or some of the research that you've done? What, what would that be? I'd say the takeaway is, is be very comfortable and have a, a good understanding of the algorithm you're going to use before you even start the case. Know which wire you want to start with, where you want to advance. Either control the wire yourself or have an extremely close relationship with your assistant so that you have a true tactile sense of what you're doing. You know, feel your way into where you're going. You know, be uh, methodical, uh, but be careful and, and, and feel your way as you go. So a backup plan is always a good thing in ERCP as indeed, well. Indeed, indeed. Yeah. Well, once again, thanks for joining us on Endocast, Dr. Buxbaum. And until next time, enjoy the rest of the conference. Thank you very much. And that's Endocast. Please follow Boston Scientific Endoscopy on our Twitter and LinkedIn feeds. You can also visit us at endosuite.com. That's endosuite.com, which features over 70 physician-led educational videos, including lectures, case studies, device training videos, procedural tips, and techniques. Thanks for listening. Endocast listeners, an important disclaimer. These materials are intended to describe common clinical considerations and procedural steps for the use of reference technologies, but may not be appropriate for every patient or every case. Decisions surrounding patient care depend on the physician's professional judgment in consideration of all available information for the individual case. Boston Scientific does not promote nor encourage the use of its devices outside of their approved labeling. Case studies are not necessarily representative of clinical outcomes in all cases, as individual results may vary. The law restricts devices to sale by or on the order of a physician. Indications, contraindications, warnings, and instructions for use can be found on the product labeling supplied with each device. Products shown for information purposes only may not be approved for sale in certain countries. This material is not intended for use in France only and by prescription only.